you are listening to KZYX 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah, 88.1 FM Fort Bragg. Altogether, we make up Mendocino County Public Broadcasting member-supported community radio. We also stream live on the web at kzyx.org. Support for KZYX comes from our members and Mendocino Spirits and Tamar Distillery in Redwood Valley. Wishing everyone a merry Yuletide. And in honor of the season, ask everyone to support Mendocino County Public Radio. More information about Mendocino Spirits can be found at mendocinospirits.com. Hi, and welcome to Be More Now. My name is Blake Moore, and tonight I'm interviewing Mendocino County writer, teacher, and radio host, Mark Sanford Gross. We'll be discussing Gross's writing and how he inspires others to find the impetus to explore and express themselves through creative writing. Topics include being in the moment, finding one's voice and inspiration, and of course, lots and lots of words. But first, here's a compilation from one of Mark's KGUA writer shows, representing a mix of voices, reading original work inspired by Mark's weekly writing prompts. What is it that makes you happy? Jersey, responding to prompt 123 on KGUA writers. Happy feelings. Happy memories I've chose. On Thanksgiving morning, I spoke with a good friend. Thoughts of my parents came about as well as thoughts of his. And good feelings came from me. It's a simple thought this morning, totally different than what we had last week in a lot of ways. I just thought I'd share a smile that I had on Thanksgiving of a good memory. But more than that. prepare the vegetarian dinner. The idea of a tofu turkey was dismissed, but there will be lots of salads of three beans, cranberries, potatoes after we watch a Buffalo Bills football game. We have also taken strolls in the neighborhood while talking of memories from their childhoods. We walked in the woods by the house that their sister might be moving into in a few weeks and talked about where a path might be paved between our homes. Art was still practiced by me and through me to future generations. I smiled. Hi, Mark. Hi, Peggy. Almost feel... I have... In 2020, when the old world was closed because of COVID, Mark has contacted me uh, that he has a show in the radio and if I want to participate in it. I am a fan of the crazy things, so even my English is really bad, I try to record some stories from my life. I made these records mainly when I was hiking with my dogs. So I'm proud to be a small part of the writer's community, and I'm really happy that your show becomes international. Congratulations to 100th show, and I wish you to continue at least to reach 1,000 shows. You are great, and Mark is a big inspiration for me. So greetings from the middle of Europe, from the Czech Republic. Lukáš and his black team. Hi, I am Oniko Vela from Budapest, Hungary. How did I get here? With a series of coincidences. First coincidence, I met a dog breeder at a running race. 
Mark is passionate about writing and his enthusiasm inspired me. Though I have neither a writing vein nor a speaking ability, nor is my English perfect. I think his phrase, don't think too much, convinced me. Dear Mark, congratulations on your show. The prompt comes and then we start playing, paying attention inward. We listen to our thoughts and then the others give us with their writings. This is an interesting, exciting common game. It's good to know that there are still universal values and people are curious about each other's thoughts. I'm grateful that you also share my thoughts. All right. So before I share our conversation, I want you to know some bit of background about Mark Sanford Gross. Mark Sanford Gross considers himself one-third New York, one-third Washington, D.C., and one-third San Francisco. And for the past eight years, Mark, along with his husband, Billy, and their two Hungarian shepherds, has called Anchor Bay, California, home. He moved to Washington, D.C. to work in radio, where he sold advertising for ABC's radio's first FM rock station, WRQX. During that time, he earned his MBA in management from Marymount University. He moved on to two other radio stations, and eventually the Washington Post took Mark out of radio and into the world of newspaper. It was during that time that Mark was accepted into part-time creative writing at John Hopkins University, where he earned his MA over three years of full-time work and full-time writing. After 12 years in the post, he was asked to start an experimental remote home office in San Francisco to be the brand ambassador representing the Washington Post and Washington, D.C. In 2013, Mark was awarded the Washington Post prestigious Eugene Mayer Award for his career contributions and principles. Upon retirement in 2015, he and his partner moved up to Anchor Bay. Since coming to the coast, he has been a reporter for the ICO, volunteer for KGUA, a board member of Wallala Arts Center, and the Point Arena Lighthouse. He contributed to the Lighthouse Peddler and volunteered for programs at Action Network. He started a running club. In 2022, he hosted discussion groups on James Joyce's Ulysses. He continued his writing development, attending writing workshops near and far with highly lauded writers. In 2015, he met best-selling author Lydia Yaknatovich and eventually was invited to a one-year exclusive mentorship with her. That year, he was also accepted to Skidmore's New York Summer Writing Institute, and he worked with Gren Greenwell and a list of other incredible writers. All of this has helped Mark put together his own format, radio and writing workshops, both designed to help writers on every level, helping to draw the stories out of them and have them be heard by others. He thrives on watching others grow and take chances. Here is a conversation Mark and I had yesterday. Mark, it is such a pleasure to have you here with me. Can you start us off with reading something? Can we hear your voice to start the show? Sure. Would you like a snippet? Would you like a five-minute read? What would you like? Why don't you give us a snippet, and then we'll get to the five-minute read later. Awesome. So I'm going to read. I want to thank you, Blake, because when you said this, I sat down last night. Well, sitting down and writing is, you know, usually standing up and reading and writing because (laughs) that's the best part. You know, okay, it's there now. Let's get it out and not worry about um, editing and spell checking along the way and just get it out. So I wrote a piece last night, it's over the holiday, and I'm going to write a middle piece of that 
And it's, it's pretty short, but later on you'll see the context. When my mother was dying, the last time I saw her, yes, I went to Florida to see her. I held her bony, wrinkled, painkiller, drip, pockmarked hand softly. I ran my fingers over her cellophane skin, feeling her joints as she embraced my hand. The room smelled of farts. Her hospital gown would not stay up to cover her flattened breasts. I had never held my mother's hand. I was fidgety, restless. She looked me in the eyes, whispering in exhausted, ready for it to be over clarity. Can I ask you a question, Mark? Yes, Mom, of course. Was I a good mother? The tears puddled into a gulp that stuck in my throat, causing a flood, a delayed response that came out in a stutter. Yes, Mom, you were a good mother. She smiled and said, thank you, and smiled wider. I think you really mean it, Mark. You were a good son. She closed her eyes but didn't die. She held my hand firm as if all her life was in that touch. I read her a few pages of Bambi, a large picture book. It was her favorite character. Her closed eyelids were listening. In the beginning of the story, they called Bambi he. I didn't know that. She opened her eyes and smiled. Energy filled the hollows in her face. Bambi was a boy, she asked me loudly. I didn't know that. Either did I, Mom. And she said, do you think he was gay also? We laughed. I kissed her on the cheek and said, Mom, you were a good mom. Sleep well. I'll see you soon. But I didn't. I left to go to work, meetings in New York and Chicago. I bought a ticket to a Broadway show, one ticket. I needed a just-me night with music and dancing. I forget what play it was. My mom died soon after. She collected Bambis. I had traveled with a small glass Bambi, and when I said goodbye to her in the folds of the shroud, I placed the Bambi against her heart. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you, Mark. I have a little tear coming down. Oh, there's another part of it, which is the beginning, uh, which would be relevant to a lot of people. We can read that later if you want to see the context. But, yes, okay. I, I, I tend to write emotionally very quickly and very passionately. And I do like, and I, it's the advice I give to a lot of people who say they can't write, they don't know what to do. You know, they think more about not writing than actually doing it. And I just say sit down and write a letter to somebody and you'll see how fast the story comes out. That's good advice. So you want to talk a bit about you and how you went from, I believe, advertising to radio hosting to writing and how yeah. all those parts of you, New York, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and now Anchor Bay, see how they come together for you as your life here now on the coast. Well, when you find out how they come together, can you please call me? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I understand that. You know, I, I don't know how much of this you really get, chuckle, chuckle, but I have an incredible attention deficit. Um, I'm a romanticist. I'm an optimist. I'm enthusiastic. And, um, you know, and that all, they don't play out at single times. They play out at the same same time. 
I started in radio, actually, Blake. I spent oh, 12 or 15 years in radio, uh, in radio sales and management. Okay. And I worked for ABC. I worked for Doubleday. I worked for large broadcast firms in New York and D.C. And uh, I was very fortunate because it was a time when, and you may remember this, when music was not on the FM dial. It was all the ethereal weird progressive thing maybe one station and i was at the radio station abc in dc when we put the first contemporary hit radio format on the fm dial in 1978 and um i spent many years i loved it i was in on the advertising side and it's very funny because the young disc jockey who's 23 uh i got very friendly with and um when my daughter was born, he announced it, and I got all these flowers from everybody. And long story short, he left with his wife to go to L.A. at 23 years old and said, I want to be an announcer. And now Joe is the announcer of um, the Academy Awards, America's Got Talent, uh, the Grammys. He just did the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and I was just chatting with him last week. But I never went on to the on-air side. Uh, I just... That wasn't what I did. And then I left radio. The Washington Post came after me. And that was the time when newspaper media didn't cross employees. You were either radio or print. And uh, they came after me. I was the first radio background person to go to work for the paper. And my mentors and guiding lights would say, you'll either change it in 90 days or you'll be out of there. And I stayed <laughs> and... Um, in 2000, and it was advertising again, and in 2000, uh, you know, the, the senior people at the Post uh, asked me to start a test in San Francisco to see what this high-tech community was like and to do an, exper do an experiment and see if there's any business there. And we did the first home office. I, I did it in a house in San Francisco, and that was, that was in 2000. And um, it was crazy because you don't have the technology that we had now. And I did that for, again, about 16 years in, in San Francisco. And I developed the market. You know, it was before Google started. It was before Facebook started. It was really a, a time. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm determined. And I believe in people. And one of the things I really believed in was to be human. And I, I've always stayed with that. I was very fortunate to grow under the leadership of Catherine Graham, which was amazing, and to learn that culture, always be kind, be honest, lead with passion, and know that your audience and the most important thing is the public that you deliver news to and information. And integrity is number one. And I've learned with that. I, I've, I've kept with that. And then... I met my husband in 2002, and we're still together, and we're up here. And um, I guess that's how the resume pulled together. How did you uh, end up here? Were you looking to get away from the city? I will preface by saying I was also an urban person before I moved to the coast. And right, I, right. I wasn't planning on becoming rural. I just thought I'd be here right. for a couple of years and enjoy the beauty and the nature. Right. Kind of shift myself a little bit, and then I just stayed because it's so amazing. So, what was your impetus for moving up to the coast? Well, this is, 
it's funny because you will get this a lot. My husband is an artist. He's more, um, he's less extrovert than I am. He's very good in, you know, being out in nature and in his art. So he doesn't need a lot of people for energy. And I like a lot of people. Um, my mother-in-law was living with us in the city at the time. And she had um, advancing dementia. And we wanted to give her and treat her to a place where she could live out the rest of her days in a beautiful spot. And we were driving up the coast, and we looked at some houses. And as you know, Highway 1, you drive another two miles and another two miles, and you're so taken aback with the beauty that you forget all the mileage behind you, right? <laughs> and, and we drove up, and we ended up in Wallala. A friend of mine told me about it who had visited here. And we were looking at houses, and you know, we wanted something with the right kind of feeling and view. And a house came on the market maybe the day before we came up here. And we said, what the heck? And we came up, and there was this house on Sunset. And I went to the back of the house, and I looked at the deck, and I said, oh, this is nice. And I turned around. I saw the redwoods in the ocean. <laughs> I said, this is it. And um, all our friends would say, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, Billy, but what's Mark going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark didn't have too much trouble. Mark dove right in to all sorts of things. Well, the thing is, you know, but I didn't know anyone. It was remote, and we're very involved in the art community and, you know, the writing community, and here we are going to be up here. And, you know, so a lot of people were, shall I say, worried about me. And but there was an old introverted part of me that was bringing out to live again instead of being in the world of branding and marketing and always having to be on. Right. And one of the things I learned was, and I, I you know, had a, a good experience. And one of the last things was I got this Life Achievement Award named after you know Catherine Graham's grandfather. And and I realized when I turned in my phone and my ID card, that my skill set stayed with me. I don't turn that in. And I didn't realize all the things I learned over the 28 years of not separating people. To me, the receptionist at Facebook was as important as Mark Zuckerberg. I, I always treated people for who they were. And I was kind and very real. And I'm not saying... They were friends for my whole life, but in the moment of my relationship, I was very authentic with them and, and considerate of them, and um, that, was, that was important to me. So when I moved up here, it was odd because I wanted to be busy. You know, I'm coming from years of being very involved. So Eileen at um, the gym said to me, be careful who you interview, who you raise your hand to, because everybody knows when there's a new volunteer up here. <laughs> so keep your hand down. And I heard that, and um, I started writing for the ICO, but I didn't want to be reinventing press releases. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, I was on the board of the Lighthouse, and I started to understand the culture and the people here. And I started to get really comfortable. I was going back and forth to D.C. We, we had an apartment in Old Town, Alexandria, which I would go visit because my kids are there. And uh, we just sold that. And I just started to like, like you, right? You fall in love with the magic here, but it doesn't happen overnight. You have to allow the magic to take you in. 
because the magic won't take you in if you're tentative. And I really right. do believe that. Right? I just really I, believe 100%. that. When people would say, how do you deal with the fires and the weather and the remoteness and Whole Foods is 90 miles away and <laughs> where do you go? What do you do? And I say, everybody asks me how I do or we do with nature, but how is nature doing with me being in their space? And I have to understand that. They're, you know, nature's allowing me in. And when I realized that, I said, I'm here. I want to take a moment and remind you that you're listening to Be More Now. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm speaking with writer, teacher, amazing human being, Mark Sanford Gross, and we're talking about the work he's doing to encourage other people's written expression. We have two awesome Hungarian herding dogs that are crazy. They're out all day. I started running at 66 years old, and I did my half marathons, and I just started to find out who I was, and Peggy and I were talking this morning about learning about ourselves on the show today, and you have to really learn about yourself and give you the chance to learn who you are, what your identity is when you take away all the things that tell you what your identity is. For years, I was Mark from the Washington Post or the guy from the Washington Post. Everything was the Washington Post. Well, who is Mark behind that? And you have to give time for that embryo to... um, develop. Does that make yes, sense? I relate to that very much because before I came to the coast, I was a performance artist. I did contortion. I had a life outside right. of this community that was performance-based. And I right away realized, well, I'm not going to be the person who performs at every show here. You know, I'm not going to start doing shows. Right. I had to leave to do that part of who I was. And, then, and, right. and that same sort of identity shifted. I wrote for magazines and I was and I remember it was very interesting when I shifted to becoming a teacher and working with students, and I didn't plan on it. It was someone wrote a grant and brought me in. It was very accidental. But when I phased out of being a writer for a living because I just felt like I was sitting at my desk all the time and it wasn't serving my heart, and when I would go to those cocktail parties in urban areas and I would, before I was this person, and now I say, oh, I teach, there's a different perspective or perception of who I am based on that. It was really good for me to see how people define people. It's like what you said about Mark Zuckerberg versus the receptionist. Everyone's the same, and you don't even know what someone's life path is. Maybe they're living in a car right now, but they used to do something different, and this is part of that shift that they're going through. And the judgment that we have toward each other is the thing that we have to move through, right? Judgment does not serve us in any shape. And what's bigger than the judgment is coming in touch and honesty with yourself that you're being judgmental. Exactly. And, and usually that judgment starts with we judge ourselves. That's exactly right. I mean, I have more stories when I traveled. I drove cross country and I ran into people that frightened me, but they didn't frighten me. I was just in places I wasn't comfortable with. And then I had to say, why am I not comfortable? And that's a whole other thing. And people always said to me, oh, you're energetic, you're enthusiastic, you're optimistic, you're passionate. In my heart, I'm an introvert, and you would get this, Blake. Every time I get up in front of to read something, I shake. I'm nervous until somebody told me that's good because if you ever stop nervous, being nervous, when you perform, people are going to think you're taking it for granted. I said, great. <laughs> tell, tell my shaking legs that. 
but but I did learn to know, and and this moves into more of the recent that, and everyone has said this in my entire life. My energy is contagious, and right. I have to be careful because negative energy can be contagious. And I've really start started to identify who has negative energy to me that I now avoid those conversations because I don't want to have my buttons pushed by an, you know, a sibling or something that keeps on reminding me of who I was back then. You right. know, I, I, I came out at 47. I have two children. I went through a lot of stuff. But never once I turn away from it, oh, poor me, oh, poor me. I just, something's calling me and I have to do this. I wasn't rude, but, you know, you hurt a lot of people along the way when you have to follow who you are. And at the end of the day, that following who you are turns those people away to back to you and says, wow, I really admire you. My daughter said to me, oh, 20 years ago, we were walking in Golden Gate Park, and she said, and I was talking about hoping my now husband was going to call me after, an, after a second. You know those conversations? Oh, yes. he called, he called. I was like 50, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's 20 years ago. And, and my daughter said to me, walking, I'll never forget this. I, I love my two daughters. And my daughter said to me, you know, I always thought when I would become this age that you would say, when I was your age, when I was your age, and give me all the advice that I would have to say, Dad, I don't want to hear it. But I realized that you're a different kind of role model because I've watched you seize life and seize becoming who you are and change. <laughs> that that really is the role model who you have become to me. And I never forgot that. I, I never forgot that. So when, when the pandemic started, when lockdown started, I was afraid, like, right? We all didn't know. We, we had no answers. And I was walking down Sunset, and, and I was listening to, I think, NPR or New York Times, and the announcer said, we don't know what the future brings, but it's not good right now. We were not in lockdown yet. And the announcer said, think about when your descendants look back to the history books or the letters, and they ask their mother or grandmother, what did my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather or my grandfather do during that time to help people? What did they do? What do they want to be remembered for? And I really thought about that. I said, wow, what will they say about me if I did anything? You know, how, how did I help people? And then I kept on thinking to myself, how can I help people? What can I possibly do to help people while I'm scared and worried and we don't know the future? And I said, what is my skill set? This was all walking on a hike by myself. And I said, you know, I wonder if I can get the town to start writing during lockdown. They're in their house. They don't need anybody. I can't bring coffee and cupcakes to somebody. I can't say, let's take a walk. The parks were closed. So what could I do? And if I could get the town one by one to start writing, People will feel included. They'll feel accountable to themselves. 
they'll build up some kind of self-confidence, even if I touch one or two people. And Peggy happened to be walking up the block with Susan. And I said to her across the highway, so classic line with us, Peggy, I have an idea. And, she, and she's the journalist, right? She says, okay. Right. <laughs> I said, no, I really have an idea. And my hands started going and I started being animated. I said, what if I give, because I've been through so many workshops with so many great authors. I've developed my own thing. And I said, what if we give prompts out to people and we say, write 300 words, do a free write, 10 minutes on this prompt, and they send it to me. I'll set up the email, and we broadcast them. Because on the air, I said, on the air. She says, okay, let me think about that. And she, and she said a couple of days later, all right, let's try it. And we right. were on the air the second week of lockdown, the second week. And today we aired our 122nd show. And we have writers across the world. And I knew with every week, every week that I put a prompt out there, I knew I could feel how this was moving people, how it made them feel while they were locked down and depressed or overeating or bored or, or, or whatever we were all going through. They knew they could write it down to the prompt. It wasn't a journal. It wasn't about how you're feeling. What's your response? It's like the crossword. What's your response to this week's prompt? And all of a sudden, it, it became a phenomenon, and people became included long after we got outside again. Right. It kept community together. It kept building. People from Hong Kong were writing. People were hearing each other. And most important, Blake, and you know as a teacher, a writer, and a poet, every word that we write is part of somebody else's story that they cannot tell. Mm-hmm. And when they start relating to somebody else telling their story, they don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. Right? You know. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right? It was sure. the best of times. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's not my line. Right. That's Dickens' line. But it, well, but it's that it, idea that people were looking for a way to connect and no one knew how to do it. So there was this distance between people. And what you did is you gave the community an opportunity to hear from each other and get in right. that perspective and stay connected beyond Facebook. It was through art versus through pictures of themselves. Not to bag on Facebook, right. but sometimes those kinds of formats can create lack or want in people because people always post their best stuff and then everyone just assumes that you're living this golden life that they want. So there's a kind of an inherent feel bad sometimes in that. And not that That's anyone right. ever does that on purpose, but I think the venue that you're doing is it's, it's much more equalized in that sense. But there's another thing that goes back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago. We live in a place when it's, where it's very easy to judge people. Uh, you know that. You can I, I probably know it in ways that I can't even get into right now. It That's makes right. me so sad. Well, you you judge the person by their car. You judge the person by what they're wearing. You judge the person that makes you feel uncomfortable walking in the park. You judge the person of the button they're wearing of who they voted for. We judge. And we often judge without any valid reason. And I will tell you, the pandemic started only a few years after I was here, and it takes a while to meet people. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there were people writing that 
I would hear people say, oh, have you ever met Blake Moore? Or have you ever met Mark Rose? Oh, he's weird. She's weird. Yeah. You would hear opinions of people, right? Um, and that's just hypothetical. But there were people you say, wow, that's so weird. Have you met that person? That's weird. But all of a sudden, the names of the people who were writing were only names I heard of. I never knew these people. I didn't right. know what they looked like. I didn't know their stick. I didn't know the baggage they carried. I didn't know where they lived, what they, I knew nothing about them other than they were writing. I could tell some were very depressed, but they were writing. So my judgment of people that a lot of people have judgment of was only through the spoken word and how beautiful and intensive and dear that they were writing their hearts out and their humor. I fell in love with these people. Right. You know? It didn't matter if one was living in a, you know, an old school bus and not eating. I, I didn't know that. I just knew their stories, their words. That's all I knew. There are people that have been writing 120 weeks. 120 weeks people are writing, some of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do want to make sure that we don't run out of time in that I want to be certain that you talk about what else you're doing to encourage writing here on the coast with your workshops so this is and what some I'm of the doing. things you have coming up. Yeah. My goal is to build up this entire coast to be a, a destination writing place. We need spoken word more than ever. You know that. We need face-to-face communication. We need storytelling. We need people to communicate more and more. My fear is in five years when everybody's tied behind their device, and using AI to communicate, we're, gonna, we're going to forget how to communicate our own feelings and stories face-to-face. And we're going to forget the relevance that people have to each, each other. So I took the Cageway writers, and I'm doing that, of course. But then I decided about a month and a half ago to start something called Write Up the Coast, W-R-I-T-E. And to do these workshops up and down the coast, maybe even do you know, uh, guerrilla spots and, you know, pop-ups and here's the right up the coast car and let's write for 20 minutes and, and get people engaged and enthusiastic about writing. And I spoke to Christina Jetter at the Sea Ranch Lodge and I started a monthly program. We go month by month to do a writing workshop at the Sea Ranch Lodge. And I'm doing it once a month, two hours, all generative work, all, you know, on the spot. It's, nothing is curriculumized, if you will. It's all I have to see the people that show up and read them and engage them. So I'm doing my fourth one this Wednesday at 4 to 6 at the Sea Ranch Lodge. It's right up the coast, and each one has a different theme. So you can go to every one. It's not a part one or part two. The most important thing is I set up the rules, no judgment, no criticizing, and complete trust, and small groups so everybody participates. And it's been absolutely doing beautifully. And one woman said, I didn't know what to write, and I came here, and they, they cry, they laugh, they, you know, they do all that. I'm doing my first one, the first Right Up the Coast uh, writing event at the Wallala Arts Center, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to do December 10th, and 11th, Saturday and Sunday morning, um, from 9 to 11 before the center opens, and do the same kind of um, workshop where somebody, at the end, they will be finished with some kind of short story and kickstart them to a longer piece. 
And those are the, the two things. And I also will try to be helping with the, um, with Mendocino, uh, I'm sorry, with Mendenoma Health Alliance with some writing programs uh, to help folks out. So that's just under construction. And uh, But if I can get more people to write, I walk through the campground at Anchor Bay and I meet people. And I met one guy that, you know, said um, something about writing and he had incredible PTSD. He was in Iran for like three years. And he was just there in a camper and we were chatting. And I said, why aren't you write? And he wrote for like five weeks for us. Mm. And yeah, and he just said, thank you so much. Nobody ever listens to me. And it wasn't open <laughs> when it's a prompt and you get people to write, they start to really um, help that. So if one by one, if I could, my goal, God, my dream is to make this whole coast a, a writing destination, to have a, a drop-in center, to do things along the coast where people feel they can come in and do a session and just write and really feel good about themselves, get involved in the schools, you know, and, and do all those. Because to me, it, it, I know I can help people move to writing. I know how, what writing does for folks. And you have to be kind and authentic in how you coach people to do that, as you know. Right. right. Yeah, when, and I think the other part of it, too, it's your passion, and that's what I hear with you. It's genuinely your passion. You know, oh, this level passion. of communication and what you're bringing forward, there's no doubt that that is what you're meant to do, right? <laughs> well, it's my enthusiasm. It's, it's my enthusiasm. And I'm just as insecure as anybody else, you know. But, but I think it's, but, me, but I mean, enthusiasm, yes, but I think it's beyond that because when someone's genuinely passionate about something, you can bring right. other people along because there's a, a leadership quality to that vision that is, wonderful and I think we need more of that and more reasons like you said to go analog and bring people together and find right. ways you know we're starting a, a radio station at Point Arena High School and we have the Rotary wrote a grant and created a station and we're in the process of developing that and and I really feel that like you say it's not about being on our devices but I've always said with technology is amazing but you want to create with it it's not just a consumption tool. You want to be able to use it to convey information and connect better, not disconnect. Once again, a quick reminder, you're listening to Be More Now right here on KZYX. I'm Blake Moore, and I'm speaking with Mark Sanford-Gross about his work on the Mendocino Coast, encouraging people to write with KGUA writers. I spent 15 years in radio, you know, knowing how important it is, the clock, and, and how to voice, and how to deliver, and how to feel comfortable, and just gauging people, you know, Tyler and I were talking about this, and, um, you know, it's, it's just important, and if we can use, pardon me, if we can use those, I don't even want to say gifts, if we can use those skill sets, look, I'm not going to go out and play football, you know, I don't have that skill set. I'm not going to become a data scientist, but put me in front of people and getting them genuinely to get enthusiastic about themselves, and I can do that. And the leadership comes from my years at the Post. And so blending the passion with the leadership and, and just the gut belief in people and no judgment. And I think going back to your one of your questions before, 
I, I was running the other day and I thought about the beauty of this place. And I don't know if you ever thought about this. Nobody complains up here. I mean, if your back hurts, if your leg hurts, people say, yeah, well, get over it. Nobody complains up here because I think they all realize it. And nobody, I'm using that loosely. I think they all realize that we live remote. We know how hard it is to be here. Community is number one for us. So why am I going to complain about my sciatica being worse than yours? Right? <laughs> right? Right? We can complain about, what do we complain about? You know, the power went, we don't even complain when the power goes out. Right. The, right? We don't. I, I call my sister. I say, oh, my gosh, I have an arthritic knee. She says, oh, let me tell you about my arthritic knee. Well, I, I didn't call for a contest. There is something really magical about being in beauty pretty much all yep. the time, right? You, you, right. You, and, and, and if you are unhappy in beauty, it, it forces you to find out why. And I think that that's, that's been this whole process the last few years where everyone, the, the distractions are less, the the go, 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 everything. I mean, obviously those things are all coming back again or back in full force, but it's given all of us a chance to really prioritize of what's important. And I know this nature, the beauty around us is such a forgiving mirror. It's funny you say that because um, a friend of mine um, said it really, really well. You know, when I have people visit from the big cities, they say, well, we'll take you to dinner. You know, let's go out. We'll go to, no, no, we don't have any of that here. <laughs> You know, we don't have this. No, that's not what we do. Come, right. bring a book, sit, and we'll give you 55 hikes to do. And I keep on, when I meet people here, I say, I'm vegan, I'm plant-based, I'm gay, you know, and I'm a writer. And, you know, what else? Everything you want to pick on me, there, there's, your, there's your list. Go for it, <laughs> you know. Um, but even... <laughs> Right, being plant-based and vegan. Now, you know, number one question, oh, where do you get your protein? Well, you know, I could either say not from dead animals or I could say we do it, you know, because we were able to live our life. We're the difficult people to have for dinner because we're vegan, right? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of really interesting uh, that you uh, adjust to all that. But a friend of mine said it really, really well. He lived in San Francisco and he and his wife, you know, he said to me, you have to look at it this way. You don't, when people say, oh, how can you live so far from everything? You have to flip it around and say, look where we live. Look at the magic. And we're only three hours away from the most magical city in the world. And just flip it from being so far to, and we're only. It's an interesting flip. Right. To me, that was what sold me. You know, I could have my life in San Francisco and have my life here and, Right. and having airports nearby and everything else. But I'll tell you, the last few years, I've left a lot less than I used to. I saw myself as urban and rural, and I'm finding myself less enamored with the urban lifestyle that I used to be. I, it, it's true. When I was back east in October, it was too. People are rushing to make the world like it was. You know, DoorDash every night, you know, Best Buy delivering, you know, everything you get at your footsteps, everything. And I have one of the lessons I had, which was so beautiful. My grandson is, my older grandson is three. And when he was two, we went to the library in D.C. And 
it was a very short outing. He was masked. And my daughter said, yeah, we're going to go in. He's going to pick up his books from the shelf. He'll show you what to do. He was two. And we went in, and he stopped. And this is amazing. He stopped at the sliding glass doors that opened up to the library. And he said, Papa, maybe it was two and a half, look. And he kept on jumping up and down in front of the doors because every time he jumped, the doors magically opened and closed. Right? You know those old things? Yeah, the automatic doors. Yeah, I get it. Right? But to him, the magic doors opened up into a world of books. Isn't that amazing? So to him, (laughs) to me, that story, just watching my two-year-old, two-and-a-half, jump to open up the magic doors to the world of books is something that will stay with me forever. Because we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't think that way. And these are the lessons you have to, you know, with a brain like yours and mine, we have to stop to thinking what's the story that we could share to make other people feel this. And, you know, I've had an arthritic knee, and I've been going to San Francisco for PT once a week for the past three months. It's like, okay, I'm going to the greatest hospital, the greatest doctor and PT in the world, and I feel good. And now I just drive home, and two-thirds of my drive home is along the ocean. That never looks the same. And, um, you know, so that's a little bit more of my energy. And, and no, my and mom, I agree so. with you 100%. I mean, I think that, you know, your glass can be half full, it can be half empty. And I know that what saved my life as a tortured mm-hmm. youth and somebody who, yep. you know, was suffering with all the existential angst that comes when you're a creative yep. person was writing. Yep. It was the spoken yep. word and writing and that, that ability to see my thoughts reflected outside of me. It's a very that's healing true. process. And I think that's the, the big takeaway. You know, you have something that you wrote. I was at the high school the other day, and I had a, a senior come to me, and she said, do you remember that poem I wrote when I was in fifth grade at Manchester? Yep. I said, well, tell me about it. And she, goes, and she yep. started talking about it. I said, I think I can find it. And I found the poem. We read it together. Mm. And she called me a time capsule of poetry. You're like a time capsule of poetry. And I have poetry from Point Arena, high schools all over the county, that dates back to 2001. That's pretty I, cool. I, I love that. I, I, yeah, and it doesn't, you know, what I've learned from teaching and being a student and doing my degree in writing, all those things, it doesn't, it doesn't, Set the timer, 10 minutes, here's the prompt, just write. Let it, don't worry about crafting or what you're going to write. The story is sitting on the top of your head, screaming to come out. Just let the story come out. What questions do you have? What, car- what do you want to know more about? And people love that. And I think that is just so important that somebody can hear and listen. And we have a lot of mental health issues up here. We have a lot of loneliness up here. And if we have the strength, like you and I, and radio at the high school to bring people a little bit of energy, then that's why nature is letting us live here. They know what we're doing. I like that. And I want to make sure that people know how to find out about your workshops. How do we find you on the interweb? I started a Gmail account. It's called writeupthecoast at gmail.com. 
And let me stress, there's not a team of people reading what you write. It is only me. <laughs> so feel free, W-R-I-T-E-U-P-T-H-E, coast, right up the coast. It's one word, at Gmail. And you can always send me a note on where's the next workshop. It is posted in the Sea Ranch Lodge events page, and it is posted in Wallala Arts Center page. And try it out, you know, try it for you. This, this, please, please, there's no judgment. Bring your child, you know, write together. I would love to do house parties of writing as icebreakers. <laughs> Look who I'm talking to, right, Blake? I promise you the feeling you will get from just putting fingers to keyboard or pencil to paper, you know, who is a Carl Jung, if the story doesn't come out of you in writing, it's going to come out of you in some other way. So let the story come out. See what happens. And if somebody wanted to participate in your radio show where they are part of your prom, how would someone do that? Everyone is welcome to that. And that is kguawriters at gmail.com. And that is me also alone. And and I do, there is a KGUA Writers Facebook page that I use to post prompts and also follow up, but it's not a Facebook project. I also do an email blast from KGA Writers if people are not on social media. So send a note to kgawriters at gmail.com. I will put you on a blind mailing list so your information is not shared so you can get the prompt. I know so many people who have participated in the radio show and the prompt, and I see the pride and the connection because a lot writing is a lonely task. And it's a very lonely task. So what you're doing is you're creating community and a vocal community, and I so appreciate what you're doing so much. I think it's a really Thank you. wonderful Thank you. Thing. We are getting low on time, but I want to make sure we have time for you to finish your piece. Yeah, let me read you the beginning of it. Thank you for that. And here's the beginning of the piece that I wrote, that I wrote a snippet from. Mom, I never told you this. I promised myself I would never do all the things you did that annoyed me, pressed buttons, riled me. We argued so many times. I hear your voice in my memories. How could a child not come visit? You don't know what it's like to wait for a child to call. I know, Mom. Booby told you if you must wait for a child to call, it is not a good thing. Mom, it was you who moved to Florida. It was never my home. If you're waiting for me to call you, then just call me. That time you were angry because I didn't call you on Father's Day? You? Father's Day? What the heck? I wasn't even thinking about it while you cried all day. Oh, and that one, yeah. Daddy would have supported me when you came out. You underestimate, you underestimate him. Even now I shake with resentment to that statement. But I think you're right. Wait. Wait until, wait until you have kids of your own. Never will happen with my kids, Mom. Wait until you're my age, Mark. You will see. I never understood that when I was 20 or 30. Then as I approached 70, it made sense. Told my mother that to her face in the clouds, stopping at the bluff at Well Point. Mom, what you meant was I must be the age at the time it makes sense. I wouldn't understand so many things until I was in my 50s, 60s, or 70s. My grandson doesn't call. He doesn't have a phone. We used to do FaceTime, but when he sees the device, he wants to play games. He's three. My daughter texted me on Thanksgiving and said, when you have time, let's schedule a call after the holiday. We have a lot of family here today. I'm not thought of in these family holidays since the divorce. Harry Chapin, you got it right. Dad, can I borrow the car keys, please? Oh, Mom, how I want to say, you know, there will come a time when I'm not around to my own kids. 
but how I yelled at you to be not so dramatic. What you didn't tell me was how much these things hurt. I more than often think of my own journey, the courage and the heartbreak it brought to those I love the most. My older daughter once told me that I was more of a role model to her as an adult because I always embraced change. When the big change happened, she didn't talk to me for 366 and a half days. That's the beginning of the piece that I wrote before. Wow, that's wonderful. So thank Thank you. But what I I want to say to anybody listening, when Blake said have a reading, I sat down last night after I produced the radio show at 9.30, and I wrote that entire piece in 20 minutes. It was sitting at the top of my head. I didn't have time to think about the emotion, about what I was feeling, about what the reader was feeling. It was sitting there. And I typed it so quick that even spell check, I think, found 150 errors. But I got it out. And that's all I want people to do is get this story out because nobody knows your story as well as you do. What a perfect way to end the show. Thank you so much, Mark. What a, what a pleasure to get this chance to get to know you better. I've peripherally been in the community with you. But, wow, thank you. Beautiful, thank beautiful. Thank you work you're doing on planet earth and in this community well that about wraps up my interview with the uh, high energy incredibly supportive big vibe mark sanford gross he is a force and a force of very very positive energy so again you can find out more about him at kgua.org that's the radio station down here in wallala And he's got a show called KGUA Writers. And he's also doing a lot of work um, workshops. And I believe the deadline for the workshop that he's doing called Write Up the Coast for signups is tomorrow. And you can go to gualalaarts.org and find that there. Yeah, so I'm your host, Blake Moore. You've been listening to Be More Now. I want to remind you that if you want to listen to this show again or catch past episodes, you can find Be More Now on kzyx.org and then click on the link to the show archives. You can also find it under the blog section of my website, and that's bemoreu.net. And that's just the letter B, B-M-O-R-E-Y-O-U.net. And from there, you can also subscribe to my monthly installments on Spotify and Apple Music. And you can listen to KZYX from anywhere, anytime you want. I'll be back the first Thursday of January. That's January 5th to be exact. And of course, you want to stay tuned tonight. We're going to have W. Dan uh, on the treehouse. And tomorrow morning, December 2nd at 9 a.m. right here on KZYX, you can catch Byline Mendocino. And Byline Mendocino is a show about local media and journalism featuring local reporters and newsmakers in conversation about the week's headlines with host Alicia Bales. And of course, we have the silent auction going on. Please continue to support the silent auction. We have 70 local items listed and items include overnight stays, art, jewelry, wine, live music, and more. And you can view the items by visiting kzyx.org and clicking on the online auction link. Bidding ends at noon on Saturday, December 3rd, and all the proceeds will benefit the new KZYX studio in Ukiah. Again, want to thank you so much for lending us your time here on KZYX. 
I'm going to end the show with a few more examples of some of the work that has aired on KGUA as part of Mark Sanford Gross's KGUA Writers Group that airs on Mondays at, I believe, 9 a.m. and then also that same day at 1 p.m. and then on Saturdays at 6. So you have three chances to listen. Go to kgua.org. Yeah. Enjoy the holidays. Stay peaceful. Stay loving. Find your best self. And we have to remember to focus on our similarities rather than our differences. We can get so much further that way. It's time for love to prevail for the holidays. Have a good night, everyone. Linda Reinhardt. Thanks, Mark. I'm just getting out of class, and I don't know if this will make it in time. But my happy place is twofold the beach with my children and grandchildren. There is something about being by the sea that nourishes my entire being. I love the smell of the salt air, the sound of the seagulls mixed with the laughter of my children and the warmth of being with family and friends. An extra special part of this is when we spontaneously find ourselves together at the beach. I have fond memories of stopping for no reason other than to walk along the shore, breathe deeply and see what treasures the tide left us to find. The ocean has long been an inspiration in my writing along with my family. I can't think of any place I would rather be, except maybe sitting in my garden sipping tea and chatting with loved ones, in which case I would say it is safe to conclude that my happy place is wherever those I love are. Love it, 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 love it,